Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. This is our financial hour. Joining us, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. I, I thought it was our music hour. Oh, well, if God. you had your way, not, you love I'm both. I'm not prepared. You love well, both just as much. So just over. start where you want to start. All right. Now, class, you've heard of the Beatles. They were a group back in the 60s that kind of closed up shop right at the end of the decade. There was a guy in the Beatles named George Harrison. George was a bad, bad boy, and frequently he was told so by his bandmates. And George kind of had this simmering resentment towards his bandmates. Uh, And finally, when the group broke up, he released his own really big album. It was called All Things Must Pass. Naturally, he was talking about the group. And it was full of songs that he had written over the previous seven, eight years that the Beatles had not allowed him to do. And I'm going to tell you, this album came out, what, 53 years ago. I still listen to it. And... um, not every song on there is any good. People say, oh, it's a masterwork. Yeah, it's got some really great songs on there. And then there's some songs that are just kind of like songs on the White Album that people say, well, how did that end up there? You know, Maxwell's Silver Hammer. There's some of those. It's like the Beatles, and they do that kind of stuff. They'll have two or three really blockbuster songs on an album. And they'll have three or four that's like filler. Yeah. That, well, yeah. They, somebody was not, I don't know. Do you think when they put the, together the album that they actually thought these are the hits and these are filler? Oh, of course. Do you really think oh, so? Absolutely. Now, turn that up a little bit. All right. Can you hear how that sounds like kind of a wall of sound? That's Phil Spector. Phil Spector had produced the Ronettes and you know a lot of your Motownish type people they got Phil to do kind of the production on this uh, this particular song I know Eric Clapton plays on it you had Ringo Starr you had Gary Wright remember Gary Gary Dream Wright Weaver. Dream Weaver guy named Klaus Vorman on bass uh, all the Badfinger uh the whole group of Badfinger, those guys that, you know, kind of were Apple Records guys. Billy, Billy Preston? Billy Preston. I don't know if that song right there had anything. Okay, I sent you one other song at the end. Not the second one, but the third one. Play that one, too, because this song, to me, you know, kind of defines the George Harrison sound of 1970. Uh what is life um you got that one i got it's 10 up right now okay anyway why am i excited about george harrison because jenny mays are paying six and change something about that six percent level gets me excited about george harrison i just don't understand it
All right, play that for a little bit. See, he is mixing the two. <laughs> We're going to talk about yields in a minute. All right, now, to me, this is George Harrison. Turn it up. slide guitar in a minute. Turn it up. No, it's not. Sometimes it doesn't pick it up. All right. It's good. So George Harrison plays slide guitar on this song, and he was taught slide guitar by Dave... Uh, or maybe Dave Mason. Somebody taught him and George how to play slide guitar. So, you know, and then people later said George Harrison played a better slide guitar than, than anybody's heard. So, you know, he had this curmudgeonly sort of personality. I started knowing about George Harrison when I was uh, eight years old. I'm 67. You know, I grew up, my friend Tommy Ruttenberg, uh, his older brother Mike, you know, collected all the Beatles albums. I'd go over to his house. We would try to play the songs backwards and stuff. And he had all, you know, all the albums. And, uh, you know, Tommy had all of them memorized. I mean, he could, Tommy could memorize all 120 counties in Kentucky. I mean, he would sit there and, and at a tape recorder and, and read into the tape recorder, the, all the 120 counties in Kentucky. He was very big on facts and he, he knew st- all he the, still plays the, um, what is the trivia? Oh games yeah. He, all played, the, he, he, he played the trivia thing at, um, at Winchell's, he plays Winchell's, it every Friday night. He used or to play yeah. it at uh, what was that other place that was the restaurant over there uh, by the, at the corner of uh, of uh, of New Circle and Nicholasville Road. TGI, TGI Fridays. Fridays. They had it over there. Okay, so Tom, who taught you about bonds? All right, I, I'm going to get there. <laughs> let me let me just finish this thing real quick. the 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 point is, this is what I found. The really good music that you like gets better with time. Now, I don't sit around listening to Bach and Beethoven, but that music also gets better in a different sort of way. And at some point, we're going to start doing more classical music on here because you think this stuff's good. That stuff is just 
unbelievably good. Anyway, now, why does this make me think about bonds? Well, guess what? We've had a, a you know a backup in the market here in the last oh well really couple three weeks the ten year jumped all the way back up to a four point eight six and now you have certain federal backed obligations out there that trade cheaper than U.S. Treasury bonds. You now see Jenny Mays which are government national mortgage association bonds are not really bonds. They're what are called pass through certificates, which means that they're collateralized by home mortgages, which have FHA VA loans as a, uh, as collateral. And then they have a government guarantee on top of it. And you're getting 6% yields on these things. Now, I'm just going to say something. A lot of you guys have been in bond funds and uh, tax-exempt bond funds, municipal bond funds, or municipal bonds, individual municipal bonds. If you can get a yield of over 6% that is uh, got a, uh, a U.S. Treasury uh, backing to it, and it's backed by real collateral, home mortgages with underlying homes as collateral in many cases loan to value of you know 70% or less which means there's equity there um this is worth a look um with with municipal bonds uh you have credit risk what does that mean? That means that the municipality issuing the bond is able to pay insofar as it can raise taxes or user fees. Now, municipal budgets are under stress. Inflation has made everything more expensive. Many of them have raised taxes to the point where the local people don't want any more tax increases. But so that, you know, like you look at the city of Lexington, they try to be almost like the federal government in terms of providing all these services. And they're having to, you know, they're basically running deficits. They just issue bonds to make up for it. They're not running at a, a surplus how long can that go on and then continue to be rated double a or whatever so you've got that versus something that you can you can own that uh has real equity behind it real people making real payments plus a government guarantee and and basically get pretty close to the same yield in some cases a higher yield based on your tax bracket if you're in a if you're not in a full 37 percent tax bracket it's a much better deal and so i'm just making a, a pitch you know if you own a big bond portfolio uh, of munis or something like that you might want to call us and there's a possibility that 
you can get a better after-tax yield by owning something like Jenny Mays. And, uh, and it's not a corporate. It's not backed by a corporation. It's got a U.S. government guarantee as to principal and interest. Plus, with interest rates doing what they've done, a risk with mortgage bonds is prepayment. You know, people refinancing and some of the they get prepaid. Well, with rates where they are, that prepayment risk, I mean, that's there's it's almost nil, pretty much gone. And so that's kind of off the table. So when you're looking at the other thing, they pay monthly, right? Principal and interest. So you, you don't have to wait semi annual like you do on bonds or quarterly like you do on, uh, um, on, uh, stocks and things. You're getting or bond funds. You're getting a monthly check, right? Plus, um, you know the bonds are they're priced every day. They're, they're you can tr- you can sell them. They're liquid, so there's a price, a trading price, mark to market every day on the bonds. Now, let's say we get into an environment where rates go down. So you if you bought bought them today, getting in the six percent range, rates go down the price of that bond goes up and yep. then you you have the option of okay because you're looking at current yield all the time you know do you hold on to it if you're needing income you can continue to draw you know use the interest payments um, or if the price goes up and there's something else more attractive it can be sold so you have flexibility right they're liquid in other words and that's, exactly. that's the word that you're using the point is, we are not really a bond deal. We've more equities, dividends, that kind of thing. But um, a lot of your equities are expensive. They don't pay much yield. Certain areas of the bond market are more expensive than this. And we haven't really bought many bonds in 15 years. Yeah, that's but right. things have backed up to where they look pretty inexpensive. And 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 what told me that that bonds were inexpensive and really maybe very cheap is when all the experts started telling you they were going to get cheaper. You know, like the Bill Grosses, the Jeff Gunlocks. When you start seeing capitulation and everybody saying, "Oh, we're going to five percent on the ten-year," that's that means that all the biggest expert and big bond buyers are saying, "Oh, stay away from." That's when you buy a lot of times. The other thing with these uh, Jenny Mays, because interest rates are so high, uh, because mortgage rates are so high. Not many people are going out and buying houses and getting mortgages now. That's right. You talk to any mortgage broker. I mean, their business is very slow. That means a lot of new paper, new mortgage-backed bonds are not being originated, which tells you if you can buy things right now, there's not a ton of supply. Now, there's going to be a ton of treasury supply, and that's going to keep everything cheap for a while. You know, yeah. and, and even stuff that's not in great supply it's going to make every it's going to cast a pall over everything but these particular kinds of bonds you know the fed's letting everything they own run off because every month some of the principal gets paid down on these things and so i just think it looks like a nice little 
area to think about in here. I'm not, you know, we're not making a recommendation. We're not saying you go out and do this. A lot of people don't even know how to buy Jenny Mays, um, and, or where to get them. And they don't have a, and if they buy them, they're going to get them that are kind of marked up. So, you know, if you, if you're a bond investor and we have typically not reached out to bond investors, I mean, that's how I started in the business was in the bond business, but that's when rates were significantly higher than they are now. Well, they've gotten a little bit back higher and, uh, worth talking about. Well, and also when you talk about the treasuries, there's going to keep in a lot of supply out there and that will have an impact on, on just the rates for or the yields on every bond. I mean, looking at They'll something yesterday, pressure on them. yeah, the, the estimate for the 2023 U S federal budget deficit, and that's just one year. That's not the cumulative uh, deficit of uh, the estimate now is $1.7 trillion and right. it was $1.3 trillion last year, 20 fiscal 2022. So we're up 400 it's why Kevin McCarthy is no longer Speaker of the House. Because they said they would try to fix it, and they did nothing to try to fix it. So, you know, finally, there's going to be – you're going to have to have some people in the, the Congress specifically be willing to commit political suicide in order to address the problem of the deficit. It's a huge problem. And it undermines American security. But in the meantime – right. If you can find things that make sense for you, the investor, it's worth taking advantage of. Right. These Jenny May bonds are not contributing to the federal deficit. No. They're not contributing to the federal deficit. And we've I've seen it, you know, here recently. I mean, it's been something that's been going on over the last couple of years, but now you're seeing opportunities, you know, people with, you know, excess cash savings kind of on the side for you know, maybe they're waiting to invest it. They're still nervous about the market, this and that. Now you're seeing things like the Jennies that have an attractive yield. And, and so there are opportunities. You know, markets like this give you opportunities. Uh, and we've seen that a lot here recently uh, where clients are like, hey, this is over here. What options do we have? And then you find a solution for it. Right. And yeah, you're, it's not the same thing as putting your money in a money market fund. Money market funds are paying 5% right now. But here's the thing. They're very, very, very short term. Mm-hmm. If this yield curve goes back to getting a positive slope again, instead of being inverted higher on the short end than on the long end, you could see those rates go from 5% to 3%, yeah. you know, quickly. And, and then your money market fund – it's like people buying those I bonds and thinking they were locking something in when they got to eight percent. Right. I mean, people simply don't typically read the fine print. Yeah, and look out longer term. It's just right. What's in front of them now? That's right. All right. So I got twitchy fingers just a minute ago. Music came up a little early, but it is now time to wrap up this segment. If you'd like to hear more about the opportunities we are seeing in the market. Give us a call, 859-233-0400. You can also schedule an appointment with us directly on the website at dupreefinancial.com. We'll be back with more of the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, and our host, Tom Dupree, in just a few minutes. And we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Stay tuned. Let me add that there's a version of this song on YouTube. That's the concert for George. Eric Clapton, Donnie Harrison, 
the guy that Jeff, Lynn. We're out. This is Tom Dupree at Dupree Financial Group. Our primary concern is getting you through retirement with enough money. In retirement, your monthly expenses don't go away. That's why we focus on investments that pay either monthly or quarterly income. Many folks have no idea of how to tap their retirement accounts for monthly income. We'll show you how. We have 45 years of experience providing income-oriented investments. For a free review of your retirement investment accounts, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings on News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for our financial hour. Joining us, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree, and we're powered by Dupree Financial Group. More from the 1970 album by George Harrison called All Things Must Pass. The two album set, and, you know, a lot of times people would put out two album sets. Some people would even put out three album sets uh, or three records sets uh, Crosby Stills and Nash put out this three record set called uh, uh, Four Way Street which was a lot of live music but you would end up with a lot of filler in there I mean I don't think every song on this two album set is great but it's worth listening to and the good songs are not just great they're they're almost timeless so you know all right, you got something you want to talk about, Mike? Yeah, this this to me it was a it was a fascinating article. Uh, specifically, it's on Chevron. Uh, it was a, a Barron's article. Uh, it's titled "How Chevron CEO Mike Worth Is Riding Oil's Big Comeback." What was so interesting to me? Uh, it, it's it's easy to dismiss energy companies. Excuse me dismiss energy companies as okay they drill for gas or drill for oil they do this and you know here's the the end product 
you forget so easily or you just don't know all the things that go on behind the scenes with these companies. It's amazing. So the narrative that it, it paints with this, just showing some of the issues that they deal with as a company, everything from um, the crude oil tankers being attacked. Um, there was one that was in route from Kuwait to Houston um, that was that was attacked. Um Mass commandos repelling down from a, a chopper, you know, trying to take control of this ship. Um, uh, Iran, you know, attacking one of the ships. All, I mean, that's one aspect that the CEO deals with kind of on a regular basis. Um, it, that's, it, it's easy for people to demonize the CEO, they look at it and say, well, he's making X million dollars a year. He deserves it. Yeah, if- I mean, it's like a baseball player like, say, a Mike Trout or a Bryce Harper. You know, where are you going to find another one of those? Yeah. I mean, if you watch the Phillies knock out the Braves last night, you don't find – those guys are one in a, in a million. That's I right. Mean, and and so CEOs that can juggle all these moving parts and still be able to run an enterprise. Number one, money doesn't mean anything to those guys. They don't have time to spend it. That's exactly. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, exactly. what are they they don't have time to go buy a yacht or something. Yeah, you know, then but maybe one day. But a really good CEO is going to be working non-stop you know you That's right they're they're always focused on what they're doing and so you're paying them a lot of money that's just a way to it's a symbol of what they do yeah probably give more than half of it away some of them and ultimately they'll give it all away you know because you can't take it with you <laughs> yeah but um it's just interesting they 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 juggle all these, I mean, geopolitical, the, the scale is amazing. So uh, uh, annual capital expenditure of about $14 billion, about 44,000 employees that are in 100 different com- countries. They have, you have the technology aspect, the chemistry a- uh, aspect. They have over 6,900 patents. It's the scale to what it takes to produce that end product and the management that it takes to be able to manage each of these aspects in a way that leads to profitability and to be able to look through the the political environment of not just the US but of Venezuela and all all these other areas it's just it's amazing how these companies work and just how how long they've been around. Um, so it says that they've been their headquarters in California. They've been there for over 144 years in, in different another iterations. Thing, another another thing from this article. Number one, it's a big position for Warren Buffett. Yeah, in Berkshire, and we own some of it for our clients. Um, talks about Venezuela. Uh, in this article, it says, you may not realize it, but Venezuela has the world's largest oil reserves, bigger than Saudi Arabia, 
with some 17.5% of the world's oil supply. That's 303 billion barrels. Venezuela is also a barely functioning basket case and under sanctions by the U.S. Treasury and State Department. How does Chevron operate there? We've been in Venezuela for the better part of the last hundred years. Most other Western companies have actually left. We have a number of Venezuelan employees, and we're believers in the country. The rules that have been put in place by the U.S. government have recently been modified to encourage the flow of some of the wealth from Venezuela to the U.S., Funds from those oil exports can only be used for prescribed purposes. So they figured out how to operate in Venezuela. <coughs> we're all just sounding like we're in some, you know, like tuberculosis. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. You got that fan blowing in oh, here and just. We're uh, not all sick. We just sounded. <laughs> but, um. To the to the same point, um, uh, uh, LNG facility, so liquefied natural gas um, off in uh, North in Australia, that provides uh, it says provides much of Japan's natural gas and five percent of the world's supply of liquefied natural gas, and so <clears throat> the massive scale and it's demonized by different parties and i I like the the way the way the writer ends it it's he pulls a quote from charlie munger uh and he's actually talking about uh berkshire's investment in coca-cola and and he says it's the comparison with the energy is is like what charlie's saying here people have to take in this immense amount of water every day or they'll die and he's talking about coca-cola one of the things you can do to add daily pleasures, flavor the water, get a tiny touch of stimulation from it. That basically does more good than harm, in my opinion. If the average life on the planet is one week shorter because everybody's drinking soft drinks, I think that's a choice people ought to be allowed to make. What could be more asinine than making a judgment about something without taking into account both the advantages and disadvantages? What kind of a nut would just look at one side and not the other? That's Charlie. He's Munger. talking about oil, also. Yeah. Uh, so he, he's he's referencing Coca Cola, but it, he's it's also talking about. I mean, you can have the same logic with oil. You know, it, it's there's good and there's pros and cons to everything, and the good far outweighs the negatives. And so you have to look at you know the end result. What is the quality of life? because of what these companies do. Well, let's think about <coughs> oil companies and what they do. Back in 2014, I, I, were you there when we went to see uh, CNQ, or was it just me and Adarsh? It was you and Adarsh. Yeah. So we went to visit Canadian Natural Resources in Calgary, um, and we met with a guy that was the uh, head of – investor relations or he might have been the cfo i don't know it's a pretty good sized company cnq is a big company it's the biggest canadian um energy producer and they were in several countries also nothing like chevron 
but maybe let's say 30 countries, you know. And um, he said, we look at hydrocarbons everywhere on the planet and we figure out what's the cost of extraction, where can we sell them and use them to the best advantage. Now, many people will disagree with me. But I believe that the most energy efficient way of delivering motive power to cars, heat to homes, is not windmills and solar panels and, and lithium batteries. It's hydrocarbons. It is fossil fuels. And... This flies in the face of current, quote, wisdom because people have embraced this idea that we have to decarbonize everything. You're never going to decarbonize the world. The world is carboniferous. Everything in the world is, is, depends upon CO2 and oxygen. If you look at the forests, they suck up CO2. You stop putting out CO2, the forests are going to die. You know, you, you, you have to have a plant takes in CO2. We take in oxygen. It's that simple. Um, you can't get rid of rot. You can't get rid of decomposition that produces methane. That's always going to be the case. You go through the Northern tundra of, uh, Canada, uh, you know, we're talking three times in, in Siberia, three, seven, eight times the land mass of the U.S. There's constantly this organic matter is breaking down and producing methane. You want to go th through and get rid of all that? And that we have these stupid, really, oh God, fatuous little schemes of paying people to suck carbon out of the air. All they are are little make-work jobs for people who go around and say, oh, we're into green energy, and, you know, we're now having climate week in New York, and we've got to decarbonize this economy. No, you're not ever going to decarbonize. Well, you might decarbonize your economy and make it five times as expensive to do half as much, but you're never going to decarbonize the world. You know, every life process that there is, the only way to do it is to kill all the human beings, which I think is part of the goal of the environmental movement. Just get rid of life. Uh, but it's not going to happen. It can't happen. So that's well, my belief. The cockroaches will always survive anything. Yeah, so and they produce carbon. Yeah, they absolutely do. Uh, but what I took away from this article is a. It, it really illustrates the point. You hear me say that we're looking for good management that knows how to run a exactly business. Right. And there are some examples in here of just good decisions that were made by Chevron CEO and their management in general. I mean, they've, uh, and this is a, a comment from a Wells Fargo analyst that follows it. It says Chevron has done a better job over the last decade on capital allocation. You know, that's what their job that's is right. to do yep. is to allocate the capital properly. And they're saying better than, that's what a good right. business does is they allocate financial and human capital. Yeah. And they continues. They've invested in their organic businesses. They've walked away from their, from acquisitions when they didn't make sense, but also made the right deal. So basically they were selective, 
made good decisions on their mergers and acquisitions, and they invested in their business. And uh, they have, uh, I think it's what, about 40% of their um, proved reserves are in the U.S. They're right. in, I mean, so you don't have that uh, uh, geopolitical risk really in, in where most of their reserves are, which is another advantage. Again, reiterate, we're not uh, endorsing Chevron saying buy. it's not a buy recommendation. Nothing on this show is a recommendation. Buy right. or sell. Please consult a professional. But just citing them as an example of, of how good management works and adds value for their shareholders. And you take it a step further and look at it. Mean, we're talking about one company. And remember, when you invest, you're, you're able to, you're a owner of that company when you own shares of the stock. And so those shares are trading every day. So there are times when you can buy management in this case, management, assets, operations, cash flow, processes, processes, uh, intellectual property into action. You can buy those assets at attractive, sometimes relatively cheap, sometimes absolutely cheap. And you're you're able to, within a portfolio of investments, diversify into other things. Um, so you have, it might be Chevron that you have there. You might have other oil companies, which we do, other specific ones for specific reasons. You might have Jenny May bonds in a portfolio that serve a certain purpose. You may have certain types of real estate exposure or financials, insurance companies, different things. And every single one of those positions, there's that human, there's that capital behind it, the, the, the management aspect, the business, the intellectual property. Every one of these, you're looking for best of breed at good prices. And both of those can, you, you can find some that are pretty good at amazing prices and that can be a good investment. Um, so that's, that's the amazing thing about this, this business. Um, and what we get to do for our clients and it's putting together these companies in a portfolio, um, with a certain focus depending on the client, but that overarching theme is income production um, be it through dividends, interest payments, it, and it's, you know, we, we talk about it all the time, sequence of return risk, producing income from, you know, what may have been a growth portfolio over decades of saving, converting that into an income-producing portfolio. And that's, that's the fascinating part. So you're using uh, these companies that have all these different aspects to create that for the client. It's just, it's, it's amazing. Well, this business that we're in, it's always going to challenge you intellectually. It's going to challenge you emotionally. It's going to challenge you psychologically. It'll challenge you spiritually. It'll, it'll challenge your values, who you are as a human being. This is what we like about this business is that it does engage pretty much every aspect of your person and uh, not always in a pleasant way. (laughs) You know, sometimes it can be very unpleasant, very difficult, but if you'll stick with it, you know, and, 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 and keep doing the research, 
and paying attention to what the research is telling you. Don't try to read your own biases onto it. Just look at common sense. You'll find out things. You know, the, 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 the facts will take you somewhere. What did Jesus say? You shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. What he left out is it might tick you off before <laughs> it sets you free. And it might, you know, because you don't like the truth. Nobody does. I mean, you know, when, when, it's, when it's contrary to what you've been thinking, you know, it's always a rude awakening. But if you'll stick with it and allow your biases, you know, to be exposed and ultimately disposed of, get rid of those biases, learn what the facts are telling you. You look at the energy business, despite everything, the really good companies have continued to do what they've done. They've been as demonized as terrorists. Literally, there are groups out there that say these people are eco-terrorists. That's what they say about these. They, they're, 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 horribly demonized and they keep doing what they're doing. That's not like Google, you know, where all the crunchies love them or what have you. This is a different deal, but let me tell you something. Let three or four of those companies go away and see if you can go from point A to point B. That's right. You'll pay 18, $20 a gallon for gas. Well, oh, people, you'll be able to go. You just won't be able to afford to do it. Well, people want that. They want everything that carbon, uh, Based gives them energy gives them, but they don't want to. Yeah. yeah, they they don't, they want to keep that. They you just want to do it in a nice that's way, exactly and that's not right. possible. The math doesn't work. That's true, and nobody wants to look at it. And and this is the liberal mindset, the 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 mindset that's with us these days. And you know, I think over time, things have to be exposed. You got to see the the truth these days need to apply common sense to to how you live your life. I just said that. Well, reiterating the point. That's right. It was a, it was a great point, Tom. <laughs> God, I'm going to turn some music on. Golly. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, and our host, Tom Dupree. The stock market goes up and down. Good companies endure. If you'd like to hear about the opportunities that we are seeing in today's market, give us a call, 859-233-0400. You can also go to our website, duprefinancial.com, and schedule an appointment directly on the homepage of our website. Come see us. Thanks for listening to our financial hour.